everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talking Hockey. My name is Jack Bushman, and today is Friday, May 16th. We are now on day 65, believe it or not, without hockey, as we have been in quarantine for over two months now. Still no sports across the United States, although <clears throat> Commissioner Gary Bettman and the NHL continue to meet and discuss possible options for continuing the 2019-20 regular season. I think this is a good starting point for today's episode as there have been many options and rumors swirling around out there. So I think it would be a good idea to discuss some of them. The rumor that most Blackhawks fans are currently intrigued by is the rumor that there could be a 2014 playoff system if the season were to restart, which would include the 32-30-8 the 32, 30, and 8 Chicago Blackhawks and the 31 31 and 9 Montreal Canadiens. This was recently discussed by TSN's Pierre Lebrun. And while I obviously would like to see the Blackhawks get their shot, I just think allowing 24 teams to get their chance to make a run, I just think that's a mistake. I just think that that's too many teams, too many teams getting a shot there, in my opinion. Both the Canadians and the Blackhawks were sellers before the trade deadline which clearly indicates what direction those front offices were thinking their seasons were heading. Hawks trading away Robin Leonard pretty much, you know, said that they were going to take what they could get for him at the time and that, you know, they weren't too confident in making a deep playoff run because Leonard was probably the Blackhawks' best player before being traded at the deadline. So, uh, and the Canadians were also sellers at the deadline, signaling that they kind of knew that they weren't capable of making a, a deep enough run. Yeah, they were hanging in there. They were getting hot right at uh, at the right time near uh, when the coronavirus pandemic put the regular season on pause. But, I mean, we know the Montreal Canadiens. Like, they're not a Stanley Cup winning team. They're not really even a team that's built to play a seven-game series even in the first round. Neither really are the Blackhawks, for that matter. Um so yes, as a Hawks fan, it would be awesome to see the team get a chance in a, a playing game or a three-game series or something of that sort to get into the postseason because I do believe that Corey Crawford could show up and steal a game or two, but I think we all know what kind of team we truly have. This isn't a team that's made for a deep cup run, just like I said, especially with all the injuries on the back end, which, you know, in the last game of the season, we're playing Nicholas Bodan, Adam Boquist, and Lucas Carlson. They're all in the lineup three rookies, three guys, you know, that <laughs> small guys that aren't necessarily ready for, you know, playoff hockey were to happen in the f second week of April. You know, those guys weren't really primed for a, a postseason run. So uh, I don't really know if the Hawks would have gotten there. They were getting hot at the right time. Uh, but I think it would just be generous to give 24 teams the opportunity to make the playoffs. But but who knows? Um you know, yes, the Hawks were getting hot, and we did see flashes of potential with this team. We saw it in stretches during the 70 games that were played. Um, but they're just, to be honest, the Blackhawks are quite a few moves away from being a serious contender again. And for that reason, I wouldn't be too upset if the NHL decided to go with a 20-team playoff or another plan that would leave the Blackhawks out of the postseason this year because, honestly, they weren't good enough to make the postseason. They just weren't consistent enough. They were constantly in that bubble where, you know, they were between two and six or eight points back from a playoff spot, but they could never consistently string together wins and, 
you know, pick up really that key victory uh, that would put them in a playoff spot. It seemed like, you know, they'd go on like a four game losing streak and then they'd snap off five in a row and you'd be like, oh, where's this team? And then they'd go two, two and one over five games and then lose three and lose a bad one that they should have won, you know, like the Detroit game, like losing to Detroit that that's in a desperation game where the Hawks needed two points, you know, just not acceptable. So um, wouldn't be too upset if the Blackhawks missed out on the postseason this year. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. This is obviously, of course, if the NHL is able to salvage the season, as there are just so many question marks out there currently because of the coronavirus pandemic. It seems like things have been moving in the right direction over the last few days or so. We just saw the MLB have some rumors leak about a potential start to the season coming up in the near future. Uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman also spoke on Tuesday with the San Jose Sharks during a virtual town hall. And during that interview, he stated that canceling the remainder of the season is, and I quote, not something I'm even contemplating. So it certainly sounds like the NHL uh, plans on having a season. They remain positive on the idea of finishing the year and awarding a, a team the Stanley Cup, even though there certainly will be a huge asterisk next to their name forever in the history books. Uh, and that brings me to an interesting point here really quick that I wanted to bring up. Um in my opinion, there definitely is a feel around the NHL, especially with the players, that playing out the rest of this year is a complete joke. We saw Drew Doughty publicly state on April 13th, quote, I know they, uh, they being the NHL, I know they so badly wanted to I know they so badly want to give out the Stanley Cup this year, but in all seriousness, it's not going to be like winning a real Stanley Cup because the season won us, because the season wasn't finished. And then we see Dowdy go on to talk about the problems with finding a perfect playoff format, as I just talked about, and uh, just how this year would be different than all other years in the past, which you know is completely true. Uh, and the difficulty of the situation is it's just a tough medium to find. You can obviously tell the NHL wants to finish out the season, and I get their gripe. They're going to lose a ton of money if the season gets scrapped, and that's definitely going to affect the salary cap and hurt a lot of teams in free agency this year. But it's also just completely unfair to the players and their families, uh, the coaching staff and medical staff, and just everyone involved with the game operations. It's unfair to put them at risk for you know the sake of a hockey game. I don't like the idea of quarantining the players and their families in one city for a couple months to finish out the year. I don't think families would be happy doing that, and I don't think players would be happy doing that. And I also don't like the idea of extending the season into August just to award the Stanley Cup and screw over next season, which if all this goes away by next September or October, we could potentially have a normal season next year. I, I don't want to screw over next season just so we could finish out this year, a year that's already, as I just said, going to have a huge asterisk in the history books, whoever takes home the Stanley Cup. And at the same time, I miss sports. I miss hockey. There's nothing better than playoff hockey in the summer. So either way, I think it's going to be a real tough call for the NHL and all major sports. And I think it's just too early to come out and make an executive decision on the season because it's too hard to tell what is the right decision right now. There's too many variables still up in the air. There's so many things we just don't know. We don't know if this is going to continue to spread at an increased rate. We don't have a vaccine currently. So 
there's just so many question marks up in the air with all four major sports, and none of them really have it figured out right now. Football kind of has it a little easier because of their later start and they weren't in the middle of a season or uh, have, about to have a season start like baseball. So the baseball, basketball, and hockey, the NBA, MLB, and the NHL, as I should have said, they're all having these difficulties right now and no one really knows what to do. And I think everyone's kind of scared to make the first move right now because there's definitely, no matter what the decision is going to be, there's certainly going to be a public backlash, especially if they decide they're going to play the season because people are going to be so mad and players are going to be probably mad. I mean, we've already seen a couple of baseball players come out and say like Blake Snell, pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, already said that he's not going to play the season no matter what because the risk just isn't worth it to him, which he's not wrong. I completely understand. I don't know what's going on in his family or if he just like doesn't want to take the risk himself. I mean, it's a dangerous virus. And, you know, certainly um, as you get older, there's more risk and that could possibly take you away from seeing loved ones and seeing your family and could, you know, be even worse than that in some cases. So um, it's hard to know what the right call is right now. So uh, I think the right idea is to continue to wait it out and see if the amount of cases uh, begin to ever hit a steady decline just to ensure the safety for all those involved with the game because the last thing you want to see is the NHL start up the season again and then there's just cases everywhere with NHL players. That's just going to cause a rift with the NHL Players Association and the NHL. That's just bad right from the get-go. And that, that would just make Gary Bettman and the whole league look like they never cared about the safety of, of the players at all. And they just were even more money hungry than they already appear. Those guys already get booed a ton as it is. So, yeah, definitely an interesting situation to keep an eye on in the future. Uh, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, I think. Um, in, in my opinion, I think we got at least another month of waiting before a decision should be made just because in, in major cities – there's just so many cases still, and it's just not completely 100% safe. And we've seen players have it already before it really got crazy out there. We've seen players in the NHL and the NBA uh, test positive. So um, the situation is very real, and those players can get it. So I think the smart thing to do would be to wait. I, I hope that's what happens, um, but I guess we will just have to wait and see. But <laughs> I think that's enough talk about the coronavirus for this episode. Let's actually move on to some Blackhawks hockey here. Uh, Some recent news that has caught a lot of people's attention uh, is a story that was published by The Athletic about three-time Stanley Cup champion and two-time Norris Trophy winning defenseman Duncan Keith nearly being traded to the Philadelphia Flyers uh, in 2003-2004. Uh, that trade would have brought back Tony Amante and Jeremy Roenick to the Blackhawks, although both of those players uh, were 34 years old at the time and well out of their primes. If you go back and look at their stats, they were uh, certainly well beyond their peaks in their careers. Um, the story was actually, interestingly enough, told by former Blackhawks general manager Mike Smith, who he really should get more credit for the Blackhawks' three Stanley Cups than he does. Uh, He actually drafted Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford, and a real steal here, Dustin Bufflin, in the eighth round. Not a big deal. Uh, So, I mean, those are four guys. I mean, certainly Keith, Seabrook, and Crawford 
really key contributors there. And then we know what Bufflin did in 2010 in that cup run, so dominant that entire postseason. Um, so, yeah, Mike Smith really did uh, his number during his tenure as Blackhawks general manager. It was unfortunate it came uh, to a, a bad end with him. He wasn't general manager uh, for the Blackhawks for very long. Uh, but anyways, back to the story. Smith actually stated that uh, his successor at GM, Bob Pulford, who uh, longtime Blackhawks fans know he was very close to dollar bill words back in the day. Uh, but Smith said, and I quote, the Blackhawks came this close to trading Keith away to the Flyers, but the deal didn't come to fruition due to the 2004-2005 NHL lockout because the trade market was frozen for that entire year. And then during that lockout in the NHL, Keith had a killer year for the Norfolk Admirals of the AHL. Uh, so thank God that didn't happen. Thank God Keith went on to have a tremendous year, which you know showed the front office that they definitely should not trade him. Uh, because I, I don't really know if the Blackhawks can win any of their three Stanley Cups without Duncan Keith leading the way back on defense. That would have that would have been an absolute heartbreaker of a trade, especially considering that Tony Amante and Jeremy Roenick both were out of the NHL by the time the Blackhawks won their first Stanley Cup in 49 years in 2010. So, yeah, I Beyond blessed, that deal didn't go through there, Blackhawks fans. Real interesting story there from Mike Smith that I'm glad that he told. It just shows you, you know, the the deals that could have happened. I mean, the Blackhawks were that close away to trading away, that close to trading away one of the NHL's top 100 players of all time for two players that, yeah, might have filled the seats for half a season or so. Maybe, probably not even because it was the Blackhawks in 2004. I mean, it was you know, a dumpster fire at that point. So that, that, that would have been a horrible trade is certainly in the long run. Uh, in my opinion, worse, worse than the Panarin and Jalmerson trades. And, and that is saying something. I mean, Jalmerson, real key piece of three Stanley cups, probably the most underrated player in the NHL during that dynasty run the Blackhawks had from 2010 to 2015. Uh, but anyway, Duncan Keith, would have been an absolute nightmare. So good stuff there from the athletic and former Blackhawks general manager, Mike Smith, uh, kudos to him for coming out and telling that story as well. You know, not, uh, not all those stories get told. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, what could have been had, uh, the lockout not occurred in 2004, 2005. So maybe, maybe the lockout was the best thing for the Blackhawks that year. And, um, you know, it kind of worked out in 2013 too. So maybe the lockout's just happened to be good to the Blackhawks. Um, but now moving on to our fourth and final topic of this morning, something that I, I wanted to get some fan response to, uh, because a few days ago on Twitter, I saw NBC Sports Blackhawks post a question on Twitter asking, which young Blackhawks player are you most excited about right now? And it, it was a picture, and the four players included in the picture were Dominic Kubelik, Adam Boquist, Alex DeBrinkett, and Kirby Doc. And I really found this question intriguing because I think I can make a case for every player on this board. I, I really do. Uh, I did answer with Dominic Kubalik, which is a real toughie, but only for the reason that he's just still so raw to the NHL game, but he's already shown so much promise in his first 68 games with the Hawks. He hit 30 goals in the final game of the season on March 11th for San Jose, 
And down the stretch there, he was really starting to hit his stride on that top line with Jonathan Taze. That chemistry was really, really getting strong. Uh, and we saw Kubelik score that nasty uh, mid out of midair goal against the Maple Leafs. And Taze just throws his hands on his head out of disbelief. Um, so they were really just starting to click. And, and Kubelik, with his play in you know the final 20, 30 games there, he pushed himself into the Calder Trophy race uh, you know, not that he was going to win it. He's not going to beat out Kale McCarr uh, or Quinn Hughes for that matter. Um, but it's certainly impressive that he's even in the conversation. So that's why I answered Kubalik, just because I am so excited about his future. I think with his shot and that one-timer from the right circle that we finally started to see on the power play, not sure why Carlton kept him off the power play all season long with that bomb, probably as the best shot on the team. Uh, but I think they're could be something really special there with Kubalik. So super excited for him. Um, but I'm excited for the rest of these guys as well. Looking at Adam Boquist, 19-year-old Swedish defenseman tallied four goals and nine assists for 13 points in 41 games. So he played half a season with the Blackhawks this year. And while Boquist uh, showed flashes of brilliance on offense from time to time during his first half tenure in the bigs, I honestly think it was his defense that I was most impressed with this year. I mean, the way that Boquist was hyped up coming into his first professional season was that he was going to struggle to defend NHL players in the defensive zone due to his size and skill set. It just, you know, that's not the way he plays. He's an offensive-minded defenseman, and he's more on the smaller side. He, he's just quick, not very physical. Uh, but that didn't seem to be the case at all during Boquist's rookie campaign as he held his ground very impressively in the defensive zone. I mean, there were certainly fewer defensive lapses than I expected this season. So, I mean, I was really pleased with Adam Boquist this year. And as for his offense, I don't think there's any doubt about his talent in that department. I mean, uh, seeing him in person, I went to the Blackhawks development camp this summer, and he was just something else with the puck there, like dancing around players. Like, he, he had the best hands there. It, it was crazy. And he's he's a defenseman. He was 18 at the time, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that, you know, he's going to be very good offensively in the NHL. I don't think there's any doubt about his talent in that department. He already made some nasty plays in the offensive zone this year. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time before he becomes one of the best puck handling blue liners in the game. I think he's going to be really effective on the power play once he gets his confidence and timing down with Patrick Kane. Uh, Dominic Kubelik, another added weapon that could be there on the right circle, maybe move Patrick Kane over the left circle where we saw Alex Dabrinkit have some struggles this year. I mean, I think in a perfect world, you do want Dabrinkit on that left side just for the one-timer because uh, when Patrick Kane, he can find that seam. And when Patrick Kane has that option, it also makes his shot so much more lethal because the defenders have to take away that pass, and that gives Kane the shot. You know, you get a big body like Shawzi or, uh, you know, Taser in front of the net. Um, get get a screen there, and Kane is usually good at finding those uh, soft spots to beat the goaltender. Um, but, you know, I think that's only going to help Boquist. I think, you know, I, every year I think the Blackhawks power play should get better, and for some reason it doesn't. But um, I'm, I'm excited for it with Boquist captaining the point, I think. Um, you know, now with Eric Gustafson gone, it's him passing the torch over to Adam Boquist to run the power play because Duncan Keith just 
isn't what he used to be offensively. And on the power play, it's kind of hard to watch because he just misses the net a ton and fires fake slap shots all over the place. It's rough to watch. So we really need someone to take the reins over from Keith there. And Boquist is definitely that guy. So I'm excited to see how he progresses both offensively and defensively in the next couple seasons. And that's why I'm so excited about him too. Um, So it was tough to not pick Boquist. And it was also tough to not pick the next guy, Alex Dabrinkit. You know, he did struggle tremendously in 2019-20 with only 18 goals and 45 points in 70 games after tallying 41 goals in his sophomore campaign as a 21-year-old. That's a tough drop-off. And you know the talent that DeBrinket has. Uh, I truly believe that this season is going to be an outlier in this career because he just has a knack for finding the puck in the right areas. And this is probably, looking at it, like, this is probably the worst year that DeBrinket has ever had in his career hockey. Like, he's so good at finding the open areas and just going to the right places. And we saw it even his rookie year on not a very good team with the Blackhawks, scoring 28 goals and then 41 goals as a 21-year-old, you know, just lighting the lamp. And, yeah, maybe he got some bounces, but 18 goals in 70 games, that's a, that's a tough drop-off for DeBrinket in his junior year. Um, so it, it certainly wasn't the progression we wanted to see, but – I definitely think that's not going to be, you know, a trend for his career. I expect there to be a bounce back next season or maybe even when we pick up the restart of this season. Um, he he also was just never on a consistent line this year for some reason. Like Jeremy Colleton really did some weird things with the lines this year. He just remained reluctant to play cat with his good buddy Dylan Strom for a, a significant stretch of the winter there. And then Strom got hurt, of course. Um, so, you know, just never really got into a flow. He just never really seemed to get comfortable. Um, but still to is only 22 years old and a proven 40 goal scorer already at his young age, 28 goals in his rookie years, I just said. So there are a lot of reasons to be excited for the cat's future. Um, I think he's going to get better on the power play. I think, you know, he just kind of struggled to have any confidence this year. And, uh, the Blackhawks offense really kind of had, that issue as a whole as well. I mean, they never really got it rolling. And just as a whole, the team was never really consistent. So hopefully uh, we see a bounce back from DeBrinket. But just because I think he struggled this past season, people aren't, you know, really picking him in that department. But there's so much to be excited about with a 40-goal scoring 22-year-old, you know. Like, obviously there's talent there. We've already seen it at such a young age. So uh, definitely excited about Alex DeBrinket. And it was just tough to see him uh, struggle this year. And there's also a ton of reason to be excited about our fourth and final guy, 19-year-old, 2019 number three pick Kirby Doc. How about that for an intro? <laughs> Doc, who is six foot four and 200 pounds at such a young age, pretty crazy that he's that big. Uh, in his first NHL season, recorded eight goals and 15 assists for 23 points in 64 games with the Blackhawks this year. So. Doc did spend the majority of his first professional season in the NHL playing 64 of the Hawks, 70 games. He only played three games with the Ice Hogs before being called up uh, really early on in the season. And, you know, Doc was with the team for most of training camp before getting that concussion. Uh, And when he, you know, was in the lineup with the Blackhawks this year, I thought he showed tremendous poise and skill for a young player in the league. And I think every Hawks fan who watched the game this year can say they expect great things from Kirby Doc in the future. Uh, he he did have some struggles this year. 
struggled at the center position. He wasn't, you know, the best defensively at times and in the faceoff department. That, that was certainly an issue, but those are issues that, you know, you kind of expect to have from an 18, 19 year old kid in the league. So I think it was important for the Hawks to have that patience with him and, you know, let him learn by making a, a mistake or two sometimes. Uh, I agreed. For, personally, I agreed with the Hawks' mentality of just letting him play because I think that's only going to help Doc's progression into an NHL superstar because I, I we've seen flashes of it. His size and his skill, he he's ridiculous. I think he, he could be a problem. He, he's really good with the puck. Pass-first guy who can also score goals, I think. Um, he's a tough kid who goes to the front of the net, you know, I think the Blackhawks are going to ask that of him because he, he's so big, can provide a screen. And, you know, I, I think he's only going to get stronger and grow into his frame. So uh, Doc probably has the highest ceiling of these four players because of that size and skill combo. But, man, this was just a tough question that I had a hard time answering. As I said, I, I'm, I could make a case for all four of these guys. Um, Dominic Kubelik uh, pushing – into the Calder Trophy race with his play, a 30-goal scorer already in 68 games. And then we have Adam Boquist, who is the Blackhawks' defenseman of the future. Looks like he could be an offensive wizard in the NHL and has shown already some tremendous skill and has made some nasty maneuvers on offense for the Blackhawks and has been honestly was a sleeper defensively for the Hawks in the 41 games he played this year. So there's, you know, certainly reason to be excited for both his offensive and defensive game. And then we have Alex DeBrinkett, 40 goal scorer. That basically tells tells the story. 22 years old, 40 goal scorer. All right. You know, you're you're pretty you're pretty juiced about that, you know, most times. And then you got Kirby Doc, 2019 number 3 overall pick who already showed, you know, some uh real tremendous poise and um, a lot of confidence there for a young kid in the show. Got knocked around a lot this year, but every time he got hit, he got right back up. I, I will give him that. He, he took a beating, but he got up every time he got crunched. And for, you know, uh, the 2019 draft class, uh, he, he was looking like, you know, he was hanging right there with Hughes and, and Capo Caco. So um, making his case for uh, uh, helping the Blackhawks, honestly, there. Um, for making the right decision at the number three pick because there were a lot of people who were a little upset that the Blackhawks didn't go the Alex Turcotte or the Bowen Byram route. But when they drafted Kirby Doc, I knew it wasn't a bad pick. I, I was trying to tell everybody to calm down because it, he may have not been the favorite, but he was not the wrong pick. Like so much skill there for a guy who's six foot four and 200 pounds at 18 and he's a better skater, I think, than he gets credit for. Um, doing research on him before the Blackhawks drafted in the summer when, you know, I just kind of knew the reports and had seen some tape on him. Uh, the, the A lot of scouts were saying that he was not a very good skater, and that was the concern. We knew he was going to be a good passer. People were comparing him to Ryan Getzlaff and Mark Shifley, kind of pass-first guys who can also score goals and are good at – can play a 200-foot game at the center position. Um, but – Doc is, he, you know, he, he's, he's going to, he's going to grow into that frame and, uh, he's tough. He's going to, he's going to get tougher. He's going to go to the front of the net with tenacity, I believe. And I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with because he's getting so much experience at a young age. I think that's really 
really important to his growth. I think sometimes the best way to learn is by learning the hard way. Sometimes you got to get knocked around a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you got to play with the big dogs, learn how to be a big dog. Sometimes you got to be the little brother playing with the big brothers. That that case happens a lot where little brother always grows up playing with his big brother and his friends. And then next thing you know, you know, he's always playing with the older kids. So he's got a leg up on kids his age and bam, athlete. So, I mean, that that's kind of a different situation with putting Doc in the NHL, but the, the metaphor is there, so. Um, uh, I'm certainly excited for Doc, as I am with all four of these players on the board. And uh, just because I had such a hard time answering that question, I really am curious uh, what you guys have to say, uh, who you think has, uh, who you are the most excited about right now. So after this episode, I'm going to post a poll question on the Talking Hockey Twitter page, <clears throat> asking which of these four players are you most excited about right now? Dominic Kubelik, Adam Boquist. Alex DeBrinkett, our Kirby Doc. And then on the next episode, I will read back the results and some of the comments, as long as they are appropriate, obviously, uh, because I am certainly interested to see these results because I think it could go in any direction. All right, guys. So I think that is going to wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you so much to all the listeners out there who tuned in. It truly means more than you all know. Uh, one final reminder here to go check out the Talkin' Hockey Twitter page and give it a follow, please, which can be found at Talkin' Hockey. Uh, and go answer the latest poll question about the four young Blackhawks players. I'm really interested to see what you guys have to say about that because, as I've said a couple times already, <clears throat> I really think it could go uh, any way. I think you could make an argument for all four of these guys. So I want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, so, yeah, that is going to do it from me, Jack Bushman. Thank you guys so much for having me uh, in the Talkin' Hockey podcast. Once again, uh, go Blackhawks, peace out, and make our defense great again. Thank you again, guys. Have a good rest of your day.